All right, I'm really excited to give this message today. So I say that, and hopefully it won't be a bomb, okay? All right, let's just pause, though, for a moment and, and talk to Abba, Father, and uh, just dial down any distractions in our heads or contemplating the game or the snacks today, and let's just see if we can lay those things aside in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Just pause to turn our hearts to you in whatever ways we are able right now. Thank you. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you. And we invite you to speak. Apart from you, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father, we can do nothing. We can't respond to you. We can't hear. We can't speak anything of any eternal impact. And so we just rest in your work, Jesus, and we open our hearts to you. We welcome you in. If you're knocking on the door in any way, we say, come in, eat with us right now in this moment. Relate to us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. One of my best friends in college was named Jesse Hagopian. And Jesse, that's right, Armenian. And Jesse was a godsend to me in many ways because uh, my first year of college, I just didn't have a lot of connections or friends. And so uh, I found myself playing basketball, and this other guy, Jesse, was also on the basketball team. And through that process, we, we were both freshmen and we became good friends. And Jesse was a very different personality type than I was, and uh, he actually grew up on the Cape. And uh, I'm, I'm, if you've ever done DISC, I'm a, I'm a high D and kind of small C, and Jesse was just high I. He was a guy that loved to have fun. I didn't really know what fun was. And so, and I, I never forget, he just was always doing some crazy things or, you know, just finding some creative ways just to have a good time. So we went, you know, yard sailing one day, and, and we ended up becoming roommates my sophomore year, and he kind of brought me into this group of friends that he had, which became my friends for the rest of my college years. And he found this chandelier at this yard sale, and he's like, oh, great, I'm going to take this, I'm going to rewire it, and I'm going to hook it up into the light in our room. And so we get it back to the dorm, and he was, he, we were kind of going for this, you know, like retro, like old school motif. We had this duck phone and this old, like, lamp in the corner, all this kind of, you know, old stuff. Not to mention his uncle was the former owner of the White Elephant Shop in Essex. So that kind of a, that kind of a deal. And so he, he takes down the ceiling like light and somehow figures out how to disable those fluorescent lights and rewires the chandelier, hooks it up, and gets some light bulbs, and we just have this chandelier hanging from like our dorm room, you know? So of course, you know, one day when he has these two giant, you know, JBL speakers that he had also gotten, you know, at a yard sale, hooked up and was pumping the, the volume really high, uh, the, the light just blew out like the whole floor. <laughs> and so, of course, you know, public safety shows up, and they're knocking at the door, and he's like, just a minute, you know. He's like rapidly, like, unhooking the lights and, like, throws them in the corner behind a, behind a chair, and they come in, and they're, like, checking on the situation, and he never really got in trouble or anything. So he escaped that one. Another time, uh, he, he, he figured out how to, how to get on top of Frost Hall, uh, Frost Hall at Gordon is this like old castle looking structure and it's just made of stone and it's like one of the oldest buildings in the property it was there before Gordon owned the property and so he somehow figured out a way to like get up on top and he's like hey let's camp out up there you know <laughs> so we're all like great we'll follow Jesse into some fun crazy adventure so there's about four or five of us we you know get our sleeping bags one night and we sneak up there and figure out how to like shimmy up there and we'll tell you how we got up there and um 
we're camping out on top, and we hear some people walking out down low, and he's like, oh, let's scare them, you know? So he grabs a sleeping bag, and he's there walking by, and he just hucks it down at the ground and just smack right behind him. And they're like, wow, you know, what was that? It freaks him out. And they start, like, kind of yelling at us and stuff, and we're all laughing. So we're like, hey, let's go to bed. So we ended up going to sleep, and then, like, about, about an hour into being asleep, all of a sudden we hear a noise. Thump! It was an egg. They had come back with some eggs, and we're, like, heaving them up on top of the building. And he's like, get down! Be quiet! Don't make a noise! You know? Like, obviously, silently saying that. So we're all just, like, as quiet as we can be, and, like, eggs are flying everywhere. And, uh, you know... Eventually, they go away, and we spend the rest of the night there and climb down. So those are just two of the many stories you could tell you about Jesse Hagopian. He was a guy that just really knew how to bring fun, and, and most of the time, it was, it was uh, most of the time, it was innocent. <laughs> hey, we're in this series right now called Rejoice Always, where we're talking about uh, the book of Philippians and this theme, this word that we sense that God has given us for this year, for 2019, that we would be a people that are able to rejoice always, to rejoice, to give thanks in every circumstance, that no matter what is going on around us, we are always able to rejoice because we're rejoicing, as the Bible says, in the Lord. That is not a small ask. Just want to throw that out there from the beginning. This is, a, this is a big call that God is asking us, a big jump that he's asking us to take as a people. And let me just remind you what I sense the promise of God is if we can learn this in 2019, like nail this down for the rest of our lives, that 2020 is going to be year, the year of vision, right? 2020 vision, that God is going to show us more and more the next steps he's calling us to take as a group of people as one church among many on the North Shore that are longing to see a move of God in this area. But we have to get this down first. This is foundational, right, to being used by God, to God moving by His Spirit. We have to learn to rejoice in every circumstance, okay? This is a gift, guys, from the Lord, this word that He's got for us. And as we've been working through the book of Philippians, this is one of the themes of Philippians. The central theme is what we've read right at the beginning of the service, it's a, it's a support letter almost that Paul is writing to this, this group of Christians in Philippi to say, hey guys, thanks for supporting me. Here's what your gift is accomplishing. A little update on different circumstances. But most of all, he's saying, hey, have the mind of Jesus. The same mind that Jesus had, right, when he came down to this earth, emptied himself, right, and then was obedient even to death on a cross. That's the mind that, that Paul is writing for these Philippian believers to have. And one piece of the mind of Jesus is being a person who rejoices. So today we're going to finish off this series. And I said we're going to be talking about this until God tells me to stop. And so uh, we're starting a new series, but it's on the same theme. So next week, Kurt Miller will come and talk on this subject. But then the following week, we're going to be starting a series called uh, Why Complaining is the Devil. Out of the Old Testament, we're going to be following the Israelites through their wanderings in the desert. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. There's so much good stuff in there. So, we're Philippians chapter 4 today, and here's what we're going to find. The question today is, how can we, in our spiritual lives, like Jesse Hagopian, in kind of normal life, how can we access that joy? How can we live a life of rejoicing? We're going to get real practical today. How do we actually do that around us in this day-to-day life with lots of challenging things to do, bills to pay, angry bosses, 
lost jobs, loved ones around us suffering or dying, how can we learn to have joy? And here's what we're going to find. This is going to be a little cheesy. Bear with me. Stop, drop, and extol. If you are on fire, you should stop, drop, and roll. Let's just make sure that you know that. Okay? Stop, drop, and roll. But if you want to get lit on fire, stop, drop, and extol. Now, I'll explain more of what that means as we get into this passage. But seriously, I'm hoping that God is giving you that little statement, even if it's, it, that it's so cheesy, that it's catchy, that it will stay with you maybe even for this whole year. Okay? Because it's a way that we are going to overcome anxiety and fear and a complaining attitude and a spirit of negativity and move into a place of rejoicing in every circumstance and experiencing the joy of the Lord. Okay? All right, so let's jump to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start right in verse 1. All right, Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy, there's that word again, and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche, Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have con- contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, apparently there's some situation going on. There's some argument between Euodia and Syntyche. It seems like there's some kind of leaders in one of these churches in Philippi, and it's an important issue that needs to be resolved. So Paul's addressing him by name and saying to whoever his fellow worker is, hey, help these women to resolve this conflict. And he's asking them again that same theme of having the mind of the Lord, right? And that mind, right, is one of rejoicing amidst difficult circumstances. If there's anybody on earth that's ever walked, that's lived a life of joy, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's always rejoicing. And even in those last moments where he's on the cross in agony, He's still not cursing. He he chooses not to curse God, but to honor him. So Paul is pleading with these women to have the same mind to come together. And he mentions that it matters for the cause of the gospel. Now, I'm just kind of citing that indirectly. But he's saying these people have have, uh, contended at my side for the cause of the gospel. And he knows that leadership, a breakdown amongst these women is going to cause a breakdown in the gospel going forward. And what should these women be rejoicing in? What is going to allow them to to leave the things that they're arguing about, have the same mind, and come together? Well, that last little line I read is this, whose names are in the book of life. That is where our unity as people is from. And this is what Jesus tells us to rejoice in. Right? He sends out the 72. They come back and say, even the demons, right, leave in your name, Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, that's great, but don't rejoice that the demons leave. Re- rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In a book where there's no eraser. Right? Guys, this is our joy. 
This is what allows us, even when there's conflict relationally between two women, they can have the mind of Jesus and come together and say, hey, you know what? But my name is in heaven. My name is written in the book of life. I have Jesus. We can work this out. Right? That's getting the mind of Christ. It's lifting yourself off of the little things that are in our lives that bother us or holding us down or even sometimes big things and getting your mind up in what cannot be taken away or changed, what allows us to rejoice in every circumstance, that my sins are forgiven, that I've been called a child of God, right? that Jesus is not ashamed to call me his brother, that my Father in heaven says to me, look, my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. This is the good news of the gospel. Isn't it good? And it can always, we always have a reason to rejoice. There's a reason that we as Christians sing songs, that this church service is not just a, let's get holy and da, da, da. No, we are celebrating this morning. This is a celebration service. We can always celebrate something as a follower of Jesus, regardless of how hard our circumstances are. And here's the thing, guys. Paul asks this guy, his, his true companion, people debate about who that is in this passage. You know, there's a, I, I saw a whole article, probably someone wrote their doctoral thesis on who that, who that person is, okay? But no one can do this for you. You can go to any revival meeting that you want. You can go to as many church services. You can have people pray for you. Intercede. But you have a choice to make. Yodia and Syntyche have to make a choice to let go, to stop, right? To stop what they are doing, the fighting, whatever they're doing, complaining, whatever the conflict is, to drop those concerns at the feet of Jesus, to surrender whatever rights they have, and to praise Jesus. That is what's going to bring them together. We all have that choice. No one can make that happen for you, and God will not take that opportunity away from you. He will not force joy on you or a spirit of rejoicing. We have a choice. Is it difficult? 100% that's difficult. But as we're going to see later on, through Christ who strengthens you, you can do it. Right? So I know you, I had you guys, you know, uh, pray for me last week with the kids. You know, the situation, a little more detailing, was just... My daughter Alma was waking up, you know, two or three times in the night, and then just kind of like up at four, four fifteen, four thirty, sometime in that range. And I just, I just had a bad attitude about it. I just repent again in front of all of you. It caused some conflict between me and Jade. I repented, you know, because for almost for every other circumstance of our kids waking up in the night, it was always her nursing some child and being awake all night. Right? This is like my one chance to be a good husband, and I'm like complaining about it. Okay? That's what I do. Ask for prayer for it to go away, right? No. So it didn't go away, right? And I'm not saying she's going to sleep good forever now, but God shifted something in my heart. When I stopped what I was doing, complaining, right, or being anxious about her waking up in the night, I dropped that concern at the feet of Jesus. I said, okay, God, I'm just leaving this at your feet. I'm going to try to do the loving thing here and be an actually, like, you know, a decent husband. And then just shift my attention to Jesus. The breakthrough did not come when Alma was sleeping through the night. The breakthrough came when my heart changed. And so I said, okay, 
I'm going to start praying while I'm standing there walking her around because she wouldn't be put down. It was like she wanted to be held all that time, you know, until everyone else was up. So I just said, I'm just going to start praying. And wouldn't you know the Lord just met me in that place? There were some other things going on in my life that I was, I was concerned about. I'll just share with you. My dad has cancer. He's been battling mesothelioma. He had a big surgery a year and a half ago in Boston to remove the sac around his lung. Mesothelioma is from asbestos exposure. It's a very bad form of cancer. He did radiation this past summer, and now he's going through chemo. I would, I would love, I would, I would cover your prayers for him. But I just, was, I just was feeling a lot of emotions around that, and I just, I just said, okay, Jesus, I'm sitting here. I'm just putting that at your feet. I'll sleep, you know, any other burdens in my life. I'm just picturing myself as I'm holding her, trying to console her. I'm, I'm putting these things in front of Jesus, and then I'm just raising my eyes and saying, okay, and now as I've laid these things before you, now I can praise you. That's the breakthrough, guys. It doesn't mean that necessarily the circumstances are going to change, but the breakthrough is in us being able to rejoice in every circumstance. just share another story that the Lord's been teaching me recently. Uh, we have three children, and we have another one on the way, and we have two very energetic boys and a little girl who likes to create the same amount of energy. And uh, <clears throat> so we, have a, we don't have a large house, you know, it's a decent-sized place, but that often creates a lot of noise, you know. I grew up in a pretty quiet house, so for me, this has been a shift. And so in my life, uh, one of my goals has been, has been, as Brother Lawrence says, is to practice the presence of the Lord. And I just felt like there would just be so much time at home of just like, oh my gosh, don't, you know, jump off that counter. Okay, that's a knife, you know, like, don't kill your brother with it. I mean, just all these circumstances of three small children running around that are, that are you know, right now causing lots of chaos often. And, the Lord, and I just was like dialing with the Lord. Lord, how do I connect with you? How do I, you know, how do I engage with you in these moments? And I felt like the Lord just, Holy Spirit was just saying, just breathe. Just breathe. And I pushed against that for a while. I was like, no, give me some, you know, word or some prayer or something that I can kind of do. And, and that's the Holy Spirit just kept saying it. Day, I'm talking about days and weeks here of him just saying, I just want you to breathe. Please just breathe. Would you just trust me that you can hear my voice and I'm asking you to breathe, you know? And so as I started to kind of obey a little bit, what it's been doing as I've done that is I just, I just take a deep breath Right? And I just release all of those things that I'm concerned or worried about. I, I kind of clear my mind. I, as, as it says in the Psalms, I, I calm and quiet my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child, so is my soul within me. Right? As I've just been doing that, I, I've, I've just been creating space for God to speak in a moment. Just in a, in a breath, right? a five-second breath, and space for me to be present to my kids. Instead of letting the, crazy, the craziness ensue, it's just one breath that the Lord has told me to take. And then oftentimes, I start to hear him saying something in that moment. Or I'm attentive to my kids instead of distracted because I'm feeling emotional and because of the chaos. Right? We stop, we drop, and we extol. Whether that's actively singing praises or just calmly sitting at the feet of Jesus. Whether you're a high worshiper, whoo, or you're a contemplative, right? Whatever it is, right, worship has many facets, but the way we do that is by stopping the, the chaos, the, 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 the hamster wheel of our mind, laying those things at the feet of Jesus, and shifting our focus on him. I need at least one amen on this. Okay? All right. If you want more or better, you've got you to give me some energy. 
All right, we got to keep moving. We got three more paragraphs, I think, here. Okay. Rejoice in the Lord always. Verse four. I will say it again rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, here's where it's coming, and I'm not just making this up. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right there it is. There's the command. Rejoice always. How do we do that? Well, your gentleness. What that word it really means, it's more than just that word. It's a hard one to translate uh, into just one English word. But it's really referring back to the mind of Jesus again in chapter 2 of Philippians. This mind of humility, of submitting to God's will, being obedient even to death. He's saying, let that attitude that he's encouraging them to have be evident to everybody. Okay, so you're rejoicing always. You're coming with a, a, a place of submission. And now he's talking about how to do that in these crazy moments of our lives. Don't be anxious. He's just repeating the words of Jesus, right? What does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Do not worry about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Present your, stop, stop complaining, being anxious. Just stop for a moment. Say, Jesus, here it is. I'm giving it to you. Jesus, and here's this other thing. I'm giving it to you. And then I'm leaving those things there and I'm, I'm putting my mind on Jesus. I'm leaving those circumstances behind. I'm not saying we're not praying for those things. I'm not saying you're not supposed to think about those things. But you have to get to a place where in your heart you are rejoicing before you can deal with these things. Are you tracking with me? You're presenting your request to God. You're giving them over to Him. You're saying, God, your will. I'm telling you this is difficult. I'm putting it before you. Then I can have the peace of Christ, and then I can come back and engage with those things in a way that Jesus would, would do it. Now, one thing I want to I just encourage you on. He says right in this passage as an encouragement, the Lord is near. When we present our request to God, we have to stop the mindset of prayer of a beggar. We are not coming to someone who is holding out on us and we're trying to convince him to do something on our behalf. We are coming to the throne of God with confidence because of Jesus. As sons and daughters who have a right now to be there because of Jesus. It's not because I'm a great Christian. It's because of what Jesus has done in making me a brother or a sister. Right? So we don't beg. Christians don't beg God. Jesus tells that story, right, about the, the man who, who uh, what does it say? He didn't fear God or care about men. And the woman came to him over and over again, pleading for justice. And finally he said, ah, even though I don't fear God or care about men, I'll still give this lady what she wants, you know, because she keeps bothering me about this thing. And he says, God's not like, Jesus says, God's not like that. How much will he give you what you are asking for, for justice on the earth, if you would ask? He's contrasting that. God's not holding out on us, right? Martin Luther said, um, prayer is not overcoming the reluctance of God, but laying hold of his willingness. But that has to come where we lay these things at his feet and get to a place where we're willing to just say, God, these things are yours. I'm holding them all loosely. I will rejoice. That's the key to the breakthrough, guys. Whether or not our circumstances, we see a victory or not. We are trusting God with them and we're saying, God, I will rejoice in you. I will have a heart that honors you that says you're good. 
So I want you to say, if the Lord is really near, well, how near is he? How near is God? He's right here. And here, and here, and here, and here, and there, and in the seat next to you, and probably sitting in your lap. Jesus likes to cozy. (laughs) If he's that near, we have to start talking to him like he is in the room. One thing that the Lord's been teaching me recently is just, I start praying for things, and then I stop and take a breath, and I listen to what he's saying. And sometimes he'll just say, Brian, keep praying for that. Keep bringing that before me. Other times it might be, Brian, I've got that. It's time to release it. You don't need to pray for that anymore. That's the life of a Christian. There's freedom there because we can be led by the Spirit to know what God is saying and what part we are to play. Again, I'm not saying that that's a secret formula to fix all of your problems or that everything's going to turn out the way that you're hoping that it will. We are still in a battle on this earth where, where even God is saying he's not winning every battle right now. One day he will. Every battle will have been won now by Jesus. Right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, the final enemy to be defeated is death. But it will be defeated. So we're still in a battle. The war is still going on. The victory is sure, but we're not winning every single battle. All right, I'm getting sidetracked here. My kids this morning were at the breakfast table. Sam had some silly putty. God bless that stuff. And Alma grabbed it out of his hand. And Sam instantly went to kind of like grab it back. And there was this... this, this you know, pulling match, and so I step in, and Jade's speaking and saying, no, guys, don't, you know, Sam, don't grab it back. We work it through. We say, Sam, just ask Alma nicely for it. Amazingly, she just handed it back to him. Hallelujah, you got to celebrate those moments, right? Guys, that is what it's like for us when we, when we will not release things to God. If we're holding on to things so tightly, anything in life we do not hold loosely becomes an idol, and it causes conflict. We have to be willing to release everything to Jesus. That's not saying we don't pray with fervency. We're not saying, God, this is so hard. God, I'm praying for this. When will you move? But we're holding it loosely lest it become something that we have to have in order to be happy because then it's an idol. Jesus is our idol, right? Not just the American idol, the whole world, okay? He is the one that we worship. He is the one that we want to lay hold of, the one thing we have to have and never let go. That's Jesus. Because listen, you can't take my joy because you can't take my Jesus. Right? That's the place a Christian stands. You can do anything you want to me, but you will not take my joy because you cannot take my Jesus. That is our inheritance. That is what Jesus purchased for us on the cross, a relationship with God that no one can take away. And as Caleb said last week, I'm not saying there will not be sorrow mixed in with that. There is times to mourn. When we do lose, we must mourn. And Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrow. But intermingled with that is still a baseline of joy, knowing that our names are written in heaven, that Jesus is our ultimate joy, and that one day every wrong he will make right. All right. Got to move fast. Finally, brothers and sisters, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, 
think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Again, a statement that God is with you to give you the power to do this. What are we supposed to be fixing our minds on as believers? Whatever's good, true, right, noble, praiseworthy. If any of these excellent, it's just saying, well, well, what's the most excellent, praiseworthy thing you can think about? Jesus. And heaven. When things are hard, really, that's the only place you can actually go. Because it's the only hope that there is. This is not just a rose-colored, just think about everything that's happy. It is warfare to do this. Worship is warfare. In the midst of a hard circumstance, when you just say, well, you know what, I'm going to lay that aside. I'm going to stop. I'm going to drop that at the feet of Jesus, and I'm just going to worship God. In whatever way that is, if it's singing songs, or if it's just sitting at his feet and saying, Jesus, 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 over and over again. Whatever it is, that is, a, is, is warfare. It's waging a war against negativity and the enemy of your soul. That is what we are to spend our time thinking about. We've got to stop dwelling on the fear and the negativity around us and the complaining. Because again, as we said, and we'll find in this next series, complaining and negativity are an assault against the character of God. One, his goodness when we complain, and two, when we're negative, his power. We doubt his power towards us, and we doubt his goodness to us. That's what complaining and negativity are. And so rather, we fix our minds on what is good, and that is heaven, and that is Jesus. When we do that, we're going to get the breakthrough. Even if it's not in our circumstance, it will come in our hearts. All right. We need to dial back the intensity again. Guys, this is the way that Jesus thought. This is not just like Paul's advice. This is the mind of Jesus. He was constantly, what was he doing? Looking up at heaven. He said he only said what he heard his father in heaven saying. He only did what he saw his father doing. How can he say that? Because he's looking all the time at what's going on in heaven, which is why impossible situations, when Jesus walks into the room, he just goes, oh, look at God. He's really big. This isn't that big a deal. Wham! Right? And someone's jumping off a bed that was dead. That's the challenge for us. We've, the more we fix our mind on Jesus, the more just we're constantly turning ourselves back to God, his character, his goodness, the goodness of the gospel, who Jesus is, his character, the more we're going to experience his life. And that's where the power of God flows. It's not going to, I'm not saying it's going to solve every situation. Hope you're hearing that. I'm not saying there's not going to be hard times or sorrow. That's all intermingled there. But the power of God is flowing through a people who will rejoice. That is where the power of God flows. That is where the world is changed. It's not changed through a bunch of grumpy Christians who just are mad all the time. That's not going to change anything. It always, the power of God always flows through a people of joy who have found Jesus as their first love, who have learned to rejoice in every circumstance because their rejoicing is in the Lord. This is a good word. And it is challenging. God's primarily speaking to me, guys. I just want you to understand that. I'm preaching to myself first. Okay, this is my journey this year. All right, next verse. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Last paragraph here. Okay, stay with me. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, verse 10, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Again, they they supported him financially. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. 
Hallelujah. How did you learn that? I know what it is to be in need. He's like, let me tell you, I know what it is to be in need. Okay? If you know the life of Paul, you know he knows what he's talking about. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. What's the secret, Paul? He just said, I know the secret. Well, what is it? Why didn't he write that there? It's because he's been writing it in this whole letter. The secret is rejoicing in the Lord always. The secret is having the mind of Jesus that's going to focus on heaven. What he just said, thinking about what's good and right and, and, and wonderful and praiseworthy and excellent. That is the secret to being content in any and every circumstance. And how can he do it? It's not, I can do all things, like fly to the moon by myself without a spaceship. No, that's not what that verse means. It's not, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's, I can do all of this or I can do all of these things. I can be content in every circumstance. I can praise in the midst of hard circumstances because Jesus gives me strength. That's the message that he's saying here. I can do hard things. I can be content in the midst of them because Jesus gives me strength. Amen? And because I've learned the secret, I've learned what the secret is. The secret is to stop, drop, and extol. That is the secret. It's what he is describing. Stop the quarreling, Yodi and Cynthia K. I mispronounced their name. <clears throat> Put your petitions at the feet of Jesus and fix your mind on heaven. Right? That's the message. And this picture about this, the, the 4 a.m. thing with Alma, and it was just, you know, that cheesy saying about if life gives you lemon, lemons, right, make lemonade. So that's true. And you know what? I love lemonade. It's like one of my favorite things. But I had this picture of like squeezing the lemons out, putting the juice in a squirt gun, and just shooting it right in the eye of the devil. Listen, when you, in the midst of a hard circumstance, say, you know what? I'm going to take this for everything that it's worth and reverse it. And reverse it where it's like, okay, I'm not getting sleep. I'm not being able to have a quiet time in the morning, right? I'm all these, oh, you know, Lord, what the heck, Right? The devil wants to get me, you know, down on. And I say, I'm flipping this on its head. Man, I am interceding in this time. I'm going to rest in the presence of my God. I'm going to lay all these concerns at his feet. Boom, right? It's not just now I'm drinking lemonade. I'm also using a squirt gun, right? I'm sitting there like this. Boom, what are you going to do? What else you got for me? That's the promise of a believer. Every difficult circumstance, God wants to work for your good, right? It's not every circumstance is good. The Bible does not say that. The Bible says in every circumstance, right, God works it out for your good, right, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. If you love Jesus, that's you, just in case you doubt that, it's you, okay? And it's working those things for good. But our response, the thing that no one can do for you, is to make the choice to rejoice. Ah, sorry, I didn't plan that, okay? <laughs> it's to make that choice. Yodia, Syntyche, they have to choose to have the mind of Christ. They have to choose to let those things go and to fix their minds on what's true, noble, and right. Stop, drop, and extol. All right, I need to be done. Can I have a couple of volunteers come up here? I have a challenge for all of you that want to hand some of these things out. We, we printed out some, uh, some Bible memory verse cards. We're going to memorize this year, if you want to take this challenge, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, Okay? So I'm going to give you one of these. We've got 250 of these, so if you lose this one or you want to put it in your fridge and take another one and put it in your Bible, feel free to do that. There's a ton more of them up here. So pass these out. Let's have the band come back up. 
And if you liked today's little tagline, you can write that on the bottom here as a reminder for you that in every moment, you can stop, drop, and extol. You can stop complaining or being anxious. You can lay those things at the feet of Jesus, and you can give him praise. That's always our option as a Christian. All right. We're going to respond today. Just be partaking together in communion. So those of you serving communion, if you can come on up and... uh, I'll help you. Then you're holding a baby.